0: All right, welcome back, Dr. Vanderpool. We're excited to talk about some more vitamin topics with you. I think at this point everybody knows since we've already talked about two types. So let's just hop right into the water soluble vitamins.
1: So, the water soluble vitamins that you'll most likely need to know about clinically as well as for tests are vitamin B1, 2, 3, 6, and 12. And I think there's a good way to remember this um, because you do want to remember both the number as well as the name. And sometimes they use those interchangeably or sometimes they'll use one or the other uh, and test questions and answers. So the way I remember it is the uh, mnemonic, THE RHYTHM NEARLY PROVED CONTAGIOUS. So And that goes in numeric order. So B1 is thiamine or T of THE. B2 is riboflavin, uh, which is rhythm. B3 is niacin, which is nearly. B6, pyridoxine, which would be proved. And B12 is cobalamin, which is contagious. So the rhythm nearly proved contagious is B1, B2, B3, B6, B12. So kind of a way to try and associate the number to the name of the vitamin. So thiamine, riboflavin, niacin, pyridoxine, Uh, and cobalamin so we'll talk about those in order so vitamin b1 or thiamine Um, its natural sources are yeast uh, legumes pork whole grain brown rice cereals so it's fairly well supplemented in foodstuffs Uh, deficiency is beriberi and wernicke's encephalopathy and pediatrics is pretty rare Um, But you do want to consider it in breastfed infants of mothers uh, that are at risk and have severe dietary uh, restrictions. You also want to consider it in children uh, with severe malnutrition and refeeding syndrome, and we often will supplement thiamine in those individuals. In adults, of course, classically it's uh, described in uh, chronic alcoholics, and it's thought that alcoholism is associated with a reduced intake of food, but also that there may be a role for alcohol and inhibition of thiamine absorption as well as its biologic processes. So, berry berry is separated into both dry berry berry and wet berry berry. So, dry berry berry is the peripheral neuropathy, wet berry berry is the cardiomyopathy. So, that's typically congestive heart failure and edema while the neurologic uh, symptoms include weakness, muscle wasting, ataxia, paresthesias, and loss of deep tendon reflexes. So that's beriberi. And then there's the Wernicke's encephalopathy. So Wernicke's is spelled with N-I-C, Wernicke. And the N in Wernicke is nystagmus, uh, which will help kind of key you into the eye findings of Wernicke, which can include ophthalmoplegia and nystagmus. The eye and the NIC is in coordination, which will uh, indicate a degree of ataxia. There's also a degree of confusion. Uh, Korsakoff psychosis can become permanent, potentially, and it is a short-term memory loss with normal cognition. So it's important to supplement these individuals early on and uh, to not miss a potential uh, thiamine deficiency. So vitamin B2 or riboflavin is our next uh, vitamin, So riboflavin is in a lot of different foods as well. It's often supplemented in cereals. It's uh, found in green vegetables as well as animal protein, uh, with meat, dairy, and egg being high sources of riboflavin. With vitamin B2, you'll see pharyngitis, kylosis, or angular stomatitis, which is a fissuring in the corner of the mouth. Uh, Glossitis is also described, which um, often is described as a magenta-looking tongue, as well as seborrheic dermatitis. It's typically diagnosed clinically. Um, You may see it in individuals who are anorexic, uh, celiac disease, or short bowel syndrome, and um, is supplemented with oral forms typically. Another one that's often tested is vitamin B3 or niacin. Vitamin B3 is synthesized in the liver as an end product of tryptophan metabolism, but it requires adequate riboflavin and pyridoxine for synthesis. It also can be ingested, and its natural sources are dairy, eggs, meat, beans, and fortified cereals. So vitamin B3, um, or niacin, is associated with pellagra, which is the three Ds. So B3 and three Ds, which are diarrhea, dermatitis, and dementia. So the diarrhea signifies GI involvement. You can see glossitis and stomatitis and helitis associated with the GI manifestations, along with the diarrhea, which is the D. The dermatitis is to associate with skin manifestations, and the dermatitis is where we get the name pellagra, uh, which is rough skin in Italian. But this dermatitis is associated with painful erythema and vesicles in its sun-exposed areas. So you often see it around the neckline or on the face uh, more often than other areas. And then the dementia, the last D of the three Ds is to uh, associate with neurologic symptoms, and you can see insomnia, fatigue, irritability, and depression. Uh, Often we see niacin deficiency in developing nations as well as severe
0: malabsorption or malnutrition. You guys didn't know you were going to get an Italian lesson today as well. And actually, Dr. Vanderpool, you're a natural at this because usually I'll stop and kind of add in 3Ds and continue, but you're doing it all for me, so I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh,
1: Thank you. Um, The uh, rash, classic rash of pellagra is another good visual diagnosis, and I would encourage you to look up a few images on that. But as I had mentioned, it's often in sun-exposed areas, so you'll see it on the face, you can see it on the hands as well as the neckline. So moving on, uh, vitamin B6 or pyridoxine. It is a coenzyme in amino acid and carbohydrate metabolism. It's required for conversion of tryptophan to niacin and serotonin. It's also required for dopamine and GABA production. Its natural sources include banana, fish, milk, eggs, uh, yeast, and fortified cereals. Isolated deficiency is pretty rare, but there is an autosomal recessive reduction in B6-dependent GABA production, which will cause seizures and a seizure disorder, which responds to pyridoxine or vitamin B6 supplementation. You can also see peripheral neuritis, dermatitis, and anemia with vitamin B6 or
0: pyridoxine deficiency. So I know we probably see that a little bit more clinically, but sometimes with refractory seizures, they'll end up giving some B six just in case this is the case. Um, this is what the diagnosis is, but uh, definitely something to keep in mind.
1: Yeah. So uh, vitamin B twelve um, or cobalamin, uh, you do want to familiarize yourself with its uh, metabolism and absorption. So uh, vitamin B twelve, just a few basic things about B twelve is it's important in red blood cell maturation. Uh, and the development of the central nervous system. So you see both hematologic and neurologic uh, manifestations. So we'll talk about that. Uh, the way I remember the difference between B12 and folate and its sources is that the B and B12 is for beef, and folate is F in leafy uh, vegetables. So the F in leafy. But uh, the natural sources, of course, of b 12 then are animal products, and it's uh, um, found only in animal products. So you want to consider B12 deficiency in strict vegans. You see uh, vitamin B12 in meat, fish, poultry, dairy, and eggs. So really, in uh, limited vegetarian individuals, you often don't see a B12 deficiency, given that it is present in dairy and eggs. But in the strict vegan patient, you want to consider B12 deficiency. The other uh, thing that's important to keep in mind is the metabolism and absorption of vitamin B12. So when you take in B12 from the diet, it's bound to R protein upon ingestion. In the small intestine, pancreatic proteases release B12 from R protein, and then the B12 is bound to intrinsic factor. Intrinsic factor is made by gastric parietal cells. And that B12 intrinsic factor complex is transported to the ileum where it is absorbed, and this is the only area that it's absorbed. And so as you can imagine, that you could have B12 deficiency with diffuse gastritis, especially um, our atrophic gastritis where, where parietal cell levels are lower. Uh, you also want to consider this in uh, diseases of the small intestine and ileum, including Crohn's disease, celiac disease, and short bowel syndrome. The other thing I always mention, too, is that B12 deficiency takes several years to develop. So if you see a vegan patient who's been vegan for a year, they may not be B12 deficient yet, uh, but often can develop. I've had some of my short bowel patients who are on TPN have normal B12 levels and develop B12 deficiency over two to three years. So it's something in a at-risk individual, you don't want to take a one-time measurement and assume that they are fine for life. It is something that can develop over years because the liver has such a large store of uh, B12 um, naturally. So a couple of important things to keep in mind on measurement is that you do measure based on B12 levels. Um, But we also diagnose uh, B12 deficiency um, based on homocysteine and methylmalonic acid. So if you measure B12 level on someone and it's low, then they have B12 deficiency. But if it's someone that you suspect may have B12 deficiency, we also will measure homocysteine and serum methylmalonic acid. And this can actually help you uh, to differentiate between B12 and folate deficiency. So we'll talk about that a little bit more, but who should you be uh, suspecting a B12 or folate deficiency? So definitely someone with an at-risk condition, such as uh, ileal disease, and people with signs of B12 deficiency. So as we mentioned, the B12, B12 affects both the hematologic and neurologic system. So your classic symptoms are a macrocytic anemia, which is an elevation in your MCV along with the anemia hypersegmented neutrophils will be seen on your peripheral smear and so you want to familiarize yourself with what a hypersegmented neutrophil looks like and also pancytopenia can be seen so neurologic uh, symptoms also occur with b12 deficiency and they can occur alone especially if you have adequate folate stores or they can be the initial manifestation and this can include ataxia and weakness along with loss of vibration and proprioception sense and uh, dementia and psychosis And this is because B12 deficiency affects both the the dorsal columns and the lateral corticospinal tract. So we talked about how we diagnose this. So if you measure a B12 level and it's low, then that is an indication of B12 deficiency. So that is sufficient. But let's say you have someone that has some of these findings or an elevated MCV or an at-risk patient with a low normal B12 level. Well, um, as I mentioned, B12 deficiency can occur over time, and you can have a low normal B12 level and still develop, uh, start to develop signs and symptoms of B12 deficiency. So if your clinical suspicion is high, uh, but your B12 uh, level is low normal, you may want to consider uh, obtaining a serum homocysteine and methylmalonic acid level. And I think that's often tested or uh, can be mentioned uh, on tests. So if methylmalonic acid and homocysteine levels are normal there's no B12 deficiency or folate deficiency. If methylmalonic acid and homocysteine are both elevated, it's a deficiency of vitamin B12. Uh, It doesn't eliminate the possibility of folate deficiency, so you want to evaluate these patients for a concomitant folate deficiency as well. If methylmalonic acid is normal but homocysteine is elevated, there's no deficiency of vitamin B12, and this is consistent with a folate deficiency. So uh, the reason why that is is that methylmalonic acid is elevated in B12 deficiency because B12 is a cofactor in conversion of methylmalonic uh, CoA to succinyl CoA. So when you don't have B12, you can't convert methylmalonic acid to succinyl CoA, and this uh, accumulates then the serum. So kind of a way uh, to differentiate uh, B12 and folate deficiency in someone with a normal B12 level.
0: And there's a lot of uh, pathways there, so I suggest you rewind, listen to that again, and make sure that if you see methylmalonic acid or homocysteine levels on a test, then they're going to clue you in that you're looking at possible B12 B12 or or folate folate deficiency. Yeah,
1: that's the big one. And just remember, they're elevated and not deficient because of the way that B12 is needed for the conversion of methylmalonic acid especially. So if you see those two elevated, just clue into uh, B12 or folate deficiency and try and differentiate the two based on the clinical scenario. All right, so that was B12. We mentioned folate is in green leafy vegetables. So folate is important in red blood cell maturation and synthesis of nucleic acids, but is not involved in neurologic manifestations. So natural sources of uh, folate include green leafy vegetables where the F comes in, but you also see it in liver, yeast, and some fruits. Um, It's found in most cereals and grains as uh, grains, breads, and cereals are now supplemented with folate. Uh, deficiency includes macrocytic anemia with hypersegmented neutrophils, so just like B12 deficiency, but the neurologic manifestations are not seen. So in someone with a macrocytic anemia, you want to look for some hint of either risk factors for B12 deficiency, uh, which includes that ileal disease, or neurologic manifestations, which would uh, clue you into B12 deficiency. Something that may clue you into a folate deficiency would be an infant-fed goat's milk. So a mother who's feeding her child goat's milk because she felt that they were not tolerating formula, Uh, that's often a a classic test question uh, for folate deficiency. There's a lot of other issues with just goat's milk, but uh, folate is the classic one that we see. Uh, The other one that we all kind of know about is that neural tube defects are associated with folate deficiency. So if a mother is uh, folate deficiency, the... Infant has a high rate of neural tube defects, and it's thought that 50 to 75% of neural tube defects could be prevented uh, by adequate folate supplementation. And for the most part, that's kind of uh, been improved by adequate supplementation in pregnancy. So those are the B vitamins. Um, The other vitamin that I wanted to mention that's a water-soluble vitamin is vitamin C. We do see this from time to time um, and is often tested as well. So vitamin C is important in collagen synthesis and iron absorption. It's found in citrus fruits, tomatoes, potatoes, and green vegetables. And so as you can imagine, uh, every once in a while, we do see kids with a very narrowed intake, and this could be an issue with vitamin C deficiency. You can, unlike vitamin B12, where it may take years to develop deficiency, you can see vitamin C deficiency within months, and uh, affects a wide range of body systems. You'll see poor wound healing, bleeding from the skin, mucous membranes, or you can have bleeding within joints, which can cause joint pain or joint swelling. You can have muscle pain um, as well from bleeding within the muscle, and you can have pseudoparalysis as well. Iron deficiency anemia often is seen with vitamin C deficiency as vitamin C helps uh, absorption of iron, and you also see gingival disease and tooth loss as well. So diagnosis is based on low concentration of ascorbate and leukocytes and plasma ascorbate is not a reliable indicator.
0: We actually had a case of uh, scurvy yeah. last year, right? Yep. So it's still out there. You guys make sure you know about vitamin C deficiency and what you should be looking for.
1: Um, I do want to mention just uh, very quickly that uh, the reason why I didn't talk about uh, excess of water-soluble vitamin is that oftentimes that's not seen, you typically will pee out your water-soluble vitamins. So if you get a test question that says an excess uh, or toxicity of a water-soluble vitamin, you want to be a little suspect of that answer.